Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to see each and every one that is here. Uh, missing uh, those that uh, aren't here, it's, it's good to have uh, Sister uh, Linda back with us this morning. She's been out sick. It's good to see her. I, I'll be honest with my, uh, with you from my heart. My body been, it's been screaming all day, stay in the bed. Uh, I'm supposed to go in the morning to have the stent removed. Uh, I, uh, I've been through this five or six times down through the year, and this is, uh, been rougher on me than any time, any time I believe, uh, and uh, I, uh, I really, uh, like I said, not feeling good in my body. You won't have to worry about me uh, holding you long enough to burn your roast in the oven, probably, because uh, I'm gonna have to. I'll probably stand right here to hold on to this Bible stand, but today is designated Sanctity of Life Sunday, and um, uh, this is, has been so uh, real to my heart down through the years, and we've been so active in it and uh, taking part in, in so many things. Uh, I could have got somebody else. I, I hadn't... Uh, as you know, been been ministering, didn't minister last week, but um, I just felt like I needed to uh, uh, to say something today uh, uh, on this uh, because I think it's important. Uh, the Lord, the Lord showed me something many years ago. Uh, you can sit back and you can you can point to a lot of sins and evils, but the Lord spoke to me and showed me many years ago, they are, there's two major issues and two abominations that this country is guilty of that will be the cause of God finally bringing uh, judgment down upon it if it's not changed. Uh, one of them is the abortion issue, and the other is the homosexual issue. I believe that as much as I believe anything that I proclaim. And uh, I, I am thankful and I am hopeful that we're going to have the opportunity to change the balance of the Supreme Court to get some things changed. We need to pray for our nation. Our nation is very, very divided, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, but this issue that we're going to be talking about today is one of the reasons why it's divided. And you pray for me uh, today, and I promise I will not hold you long. I took some time earlier this morning, and I went back through the last... Uh, seven or eight years that uh, uh, we have been speaking about this on Sanctity of the Life Sunday. And uh, uh, 
have come up some things that I want to share with you today uh, to hope to, uh, if your interest is not perked in the issue, it will be, uh, and uh, at least God to show you how this touches the heart of God. I'm going to be reading uh, from two passages of Scripture for a text today, first off in Isaiah 49, and then we're going to go to the uh, New Testament to Luke uh, chapter 1. But Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 1 reads like this, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made mention of my name. Hallelujah. God knew you, amen, while you was in the womb of your mother. He knew you by name. And then let's turn to Luke in the New Testament, first chapter, verses 13 through 15. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. If you'll remember the story, after Gabriel talked to Mary about giving birth to Jesus, um, my battery's just dead in this, they wouldn't change it, I don't guess. Uh, Mary went to uh, to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was about six months along. And when Elizabeth looked and saw Mary coming, something happened, if you recall. She told Mary that when I saw you coming, I heard the salutation of you here that the babe leaped in my womb. I believe it was at that point that John was filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you on a subject titled today, All Lives Matter to God. All Lives Matter to God. To God, Lord, we come today, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this service, those that are here. We pray, God, that you will give us the strength to stand here these next few minutes and declare what you would have said today. In Jesus' name, as the church say, God bless you. You can be seated. Please. 
make a special effort to be here tonight. We got a visiting speaker, Brother John Poston. I am excited about this brother being here. Uh, I recall I recall visiting him in the hospital, and I remember that there was some thoughts by some. I wondered if, whether or not it was going to be his time to go see the Lord, but God has miraculously blessed him. Amen, and he is still with us. Uh, he's a great man of God, and he has done much for the kingdom of God down through the years, and we appreciate him. And um, uh, I uh, had him set up to come before uh, this situation had taken in, in my body. So, I mean, I'm I just not having to come because I need help. But I, uh, before I had the uh, uh, the surgery on the stones, I'd talked with him. So we're looking forward to him being here tonight at six o'clock. Uh, remember, at um, uh, ten minutes from ten minutes to five minutes to six, we will open up and be praying uh, for the names tonight. So um, uh, in the bowl, and we'll have them up on the screen. So remember that. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, God is good. good. And look at somebody else and say, all the time. time. Hallelujah. Uh, It's already been said that today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. I appreciate uh, Ronnie making mention. He looked up and found uh, and, uh, and told you earlier that this Sunday in January has been set aside ever since uh, Ronald Reagan uh, decided to set this date uh, in January uh, uh, for uh, everybody, organizations, and ask for all churches to uh, to remember uh, this uh, Sunday. Uh, it's we look back and now. And what I hate every year when I bring you this message, I have to increase the number. But now the number is up to well over 60 million unborn innocent lives have been taken in the death chambers of abortion clinics across the land since the infamous Roe v. Wade decision back in 19. 19- 93, uh, 1973, excuse me. The world, when they talk about it, still shudders at the mention made of the Holocaust of World War II. When Hitler killed six million Jews, they were exterminated in Hitler's death camps. Uh, and people still shudder when they think about that. But now future generations look back on our generation who since 1973 have been going through what I call America's personal holocaust, which has lasted six times longer than World War II and has slaughtered over 45 million more innocent victims than Hitler did. That's a sobering thought. I do not 
apologize and I stand and I declare to you today that I am not ashamed to tell you that abortion is wrong and abortion is sin. I do not bring condemnation upon if there is any, let me say this offhand, if there's any lady here today that made that decision, I want you to know that God is with you. God is able to help you. Hallelujah. Because I know I've been involved. I was involved for a long time with the right to life. I have uh, I, I was president over Cheatham County Right to Life Association was was elected in and there's some things that the abortion clinics don't tell ladies. They don't let them know how that they go through torments for years and years after that. And I want you to know God can bring peace to, to your heart. Praise the Lord. He can bring peace to that. Amen. So that's not what I am. I am here for. But as I've told you before, I have been in the office and sat down across the desk of other pastors when I would try to get them involved in community efforts about this. And I've sat there, amen, and talked to pastors who pastors big churches, amen, who would look at me and say, I concur with you. Pastor Pruitt, 100%. And I believe what the Bible says. But I cannot afford to mention this subject in my congregation because I've got people on both sides of the aisles and I am not willing to rock the boat. But God needs people not willing just to rock the boat but to turn it over if they have to. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. The importance of human life in our society today is being pitted against things such as convenience. Where we in America have grown so accustomed to, to the comfort that, of convenience that many of us think that convenience is part of our Bill of Rights. So much that most abortions that have taken place, they accommodate convenience, not the false theory promoted to protect the mother's life. That is not the case for 99.9% of the time, but the majority is taking place over convenience. Our life was so important to Christ that he chose to suffer inconvenience on the cross to perpetrate life forever. Our life was so important to Jesus as to suffer the way he did so he, we could have eternal life. Why should we readily be so willing to sacrifice life upon an altar of convenience? It's high time the church stand up and speak out and declare the sanctity of all human life. And let me add this. Something I will add today that I don't think I've ever had before. But when I talk about the sanctity of life, 
I'm talking about life in general. I'll say this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just evil people out there that's just as wicked and evil when they go about intentionally hurting God's creatures that He created. Animals such as dogs and cats. I've seen things done to them and I've seen them on news and I tell you what, somebody that can do something like pouring gasoline on an animal and sitting on fire doing other stuff, if they can do something that to an innocent animal, they can do it to a human being. If you go back and study the life of a lot of the serial killers when they were younger, they started out doing stuff like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Over the past year or so, we have heard the growing phrase. And that's how come I come up with this title today. I've heard it time and time, and I know you have, over the past year or so in America. Uh, the phrase that I'm talking about uh, is Black Lives Matter. And then we hear the similar turn by people saying Blue Lives Matter. Then I have saw signs and people say Gay Lives Matter. And as I was thinking about all of that, I understand and I concur about all of that and I have no, no, no qualms against nothing. But thinking about all that, there's something deep down inside me every time that I hear some particular group come out and say and you cry that, amen, I have to cry out that all lives matter. All lives. Everybody deserves respect. And even that unborn baby's life in the mother's womb matters to God. And if it matters to God, it ought to matter to us. No matter if the life is in the mother's womb or on, or on the ventilator in some hospital or hospice, all lives matter. I want to say a couple things today in the course of this. Number one, God loves humanity. God loves humanity. This world would be a whole lot such a better place if we could just learn to reach out with love. If we could have compassion. Hallelujah. Now, I will admit to you that I'm a pretty good looking fella. <laughs> but this would be a born place for sure if everybody in the world looked just like me. Sister Darlene says, Oh, my Lord. God, it's God who created diversity. Hallelujah. How dare we, amen, look upon somebody else because they look different than us. They talk with some type of an accent. Amen. Listen, we were all created in the image of God. I never will forget several years ago when I was working at State Industries in Ashton City. A good friend of mine, 
he was a minister. He was a black, he was a black brother, and he pastored a, 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 a black missionary Baptist church in Ashland City. And uh, we became so close that uh, even though we was a different denominational face, he'd have me come preach for him sometimes. But I never will forget we were working one day and uh, uh, I was standing next to him when something happened and he, he cut his arm. It wasn't a serious cut. Uh, uh, it was just uh, something like, but it was enough to make him bleed. And uh, when, it, when it happened, I, uh, I, I, I put my hand on, on my chest like that and I said, oh, Lord. And he looked and he says, he said, what's the matter with you? I said, your blood's red too. <laughs> he looked at me and laughed. He says, you one crazy white boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. If we're ever going to show God to the world, we're not going to be able to do it unless we can share, show it through love. Because the Bible says God is love. God loves humanity. I want to take you to a scripture that a lot of us can quote. You ought to be able to quote it. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you can't love me, you can't love God. If I can't love you, I can't love God. Hallelujah. We can come up with all of our little list of rules and guidelines, what we think we should do uh, to please God and to live for God and all, but the number one most important thing Jesus says is to have love one toward the other. In the beginning, when God the Father created the universe and all which is in it, he looked upon all he had made and he said it's good. God was proud of his creation from the earth to the stars and to the moon. Uh, something else uh, I think Ronnie mentioned uh, earlier. But God was especially proud of his crowning work, that part of creation which he made in his very own image mankind or humanity. In fact, the creation of all nature around us was made for the habitation of man. Everything that we see, God created for man. Hallelujah. Everything God created uh, before he got to man was, was made with man in mind. He provided man everything he needed to sustain life. And because life was so important to God, did you hear me? Because life was so important to God, he even planted the tree of life in the Garden of Eden so man would have the opportunity to live forever. Let me tell you something. God never had in mind for none of his creation to ever die. Amen. God did not create Adam and Eve to die. 
He did not have that part of his plan. He put the tree of life in the garden. So they would have that would be a source. Matter of fact, if you go back and read your Bible, some people say Adam and Eve was kicked out of the garden because of sin. That was really not necessarily the case. The Bible says he put them out of the Garden of Eden so they couldn't get to the tree of life and then partake and then they would live forever and then sin could not be eradicated. That was the reason, that was the reason he was, they, man was really put out of the garden to protect the tree of life. Hallelujah. When sin entered the picture, it brought death pain, destruction, but God so loved the world, God so loved humanity, God so loved life that he gave his son to purchase back life for man because all lives matter to God. Hallelujah. All lives matter to God. I'm going to go on to the second point. And we're talking about, when we talk about all lives matter to God, we talk about, number two, from conception to natural death. From conception to natural death. Satan is an enemy of life because he knows how important lives are to God. So everything Satan does comes from the motive of stealing life away. Satan will kill you if he can. Amen. Satan will take you out if he can. Hallelujah. He would have took out Job if it wasn't for God. Amen. He put that stipulation. Don't you touch his life. Don't you touch his life. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they may have have it more abundantly. Life is the most precious gift that God has given us. It's very precious to God. When abortion became legal in 1973, everyone who opposed it knew it was going to only be the beginning. It wouldn't stop with the child in the womb. It would proceed to the sick and to the elderly. Now, they all argued, said, oh, no, no. It, it, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is all it would go to. But it opened up a door. It would overtake the weak and the handicapped because Satan is a thief who loves to kill and destroy I want to read a story that I've read to you before because this still touches my life and my heart. After abortion was legalized in 73, it wasn't long. Crackpox like like Dr. Kevorkian began to come along. And they want us to tell, well, you know, sometimes people get too old, get too sick, or, you know, they they can't do anything and they're better off gone. I'm going to tell you something. 
God is the giver of life and God is the only one who has the right to take life away. In the early morning of February the 25th, 1990, a young lady by the name of Terry Chivavo collapsed in a hallway of her St. Petersburg, Florida apartment. Firefighters and paramedics arrived in response to her husband Michael's 911 call, found her face dead and un- uh, face down and unconscious. She was not breathing and had no pulse. They attempted uh, to resuscitate her, and she was transported to Yamana Northside Hospital. There, she was put on a, a ventilator and intubated. That was in 1990. In 1998, her husband, Michael, petitioned the Sixth Circuit Court of Florida to remove her feeding tube. He claimed he thought that she would want to go. go. Facts, you know, we found we found out a lot a little bit later on. He had, he, had, he had another lady on the side he was ready to get married to. That's what it all boiled down to. He was opposed by Terry's parents, Robert and Mary Schlender, who argued that she was still conscious and they had indications that she knew what was going on around. The court determined uh, that she would not have wished to continue her life that way so on April the 24th, 2001, her feeding tube was removed for the first time, only to be reinserted several days later. This poor young lady was not only killed, but she was tortured off and on. On February the 25th, 2005, a certain county judge again ordered the removal of Terry's feeding tube. Several appeals, federal government intervention followed, which there was such an outcry across the country. President George Bush was out of the country. He flew back to Washington, returning to Washington, D.C., to sign legislation designed to keep her alive. After appeals through the federal court system upheld the original decision to remove the feeding tube, so uh, staff at, at the hospice center disconnected her feeding tube again on March the 18th. And on March 31st, she died being starved to death. We are creating a society of death. Which is in not God, it's not God's will whatsoever. Every life has value. Every person has value. As I said before, I'll say it again. God alone gives life, and only God has the right to take life. I want to conclude. There's much more I'd like to say, but I want to conclude. I felt some things that I I had 
looked up and I had read uh, before, and I want to conclude this message today by reading this to you again. I got a series of situations that I want you to think about. I want to ask you if you would recommend abortion over for these mothers in any of these cases. I want to give you a few circumstances to consider to see if you would recommend abortion to any of the following pregnant mothers. Years ago, there was a preacher and wife who were extremely poor. These situations are true now. These, these are not made up. These are true. They already had 14 children. They found out that the wife was pregnant with the 15th child. Would you recommend she get an abortion? What would you recommend? Here's one. The father is sick with syphilis. The mother has TB. They have four children. The first child is blind, the second one died, the third one is death. The fourth one has TB like its mother. She finds she's pregnant again. Would you recommend that she get an abortion? Another, what would you recommend? A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby, and he is very upset. Would you recommend abortion? Well, going back over each of those scenarios and cases, if you had recommended abortion to the preacher and his wife concerning the 15th child, you would have killed John Wesley, which was one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. If you were to recommend abortion to, uh, to the parents whose first child was blind, the second one died, and the third one death, and the fourth had TB, and now the mother is expecting the fifth child, you would have killed Beethoven. And if you had recommended an abortion to the young single girl who was pregnant, whose fiancé was not the father, you would have killed Jesus Christ. The next child aborted could be the one who could grow up and become a doctor who could find a cure for cancer or AIDS or diabetes. Who knows, with over 60 million gone, that's a mighty big number. One of those could have been somebody could have grown up and found a cure for any one of the diseases that's such tearing this, this, uh, people apart. Think about that today, folks. I want to leave you with this understanding and thought that all lives, all lives matter to God. All lives are important to God. 
And when we look at people, we need to realize that we're looking at a soul. One of the biggest issues and debates that occurs about this is when is that child, that fetus, considered a person? I'm going to tell you, I got... I don't care what scientists say. I don't care what this one says. I'm here to declare what the book says. There's no greater miracle than when a mother can conceive. There's a miracle that takes place every time a conception occurs. And and maybe there's many here that's maybe seen videos and stuff of of the point when the egg is fertilized of the mother and what immediately transpires. I'm going to tell you, the very first thing that occurs upon conception is a supernatural event occurs and a soul is Created at the very moment of conception, there's gonna there's a soul that's conceived. That's why David in Psalms says, "You covered me," and the me he's talking about is my soul. You God have covered me in my mother's womb. That's why he knows us from a mother's womb. That's why John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. We should never put nobody down, condemn nobody. We should offer love and compassion to anybody who is hurt over that situation. But the blood of Christ takes care of everything. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want us to do something today. I'm going to ask while uh, uh, Barbara gets uh, her son and they can and, uh, and take him over inside this dorm and maybe uh, somebody can help her to show her where that changing room is. And uh, we're going to have one of our deacons, uh, Brother uh, Farmer, is going to be doing the baptizing. I can tell him to go ahead and step over to, to this side uh, and, uh, and, and be getting prepared. Uh, and uh, I would like Ronnie uh, to come up, if you would, and disconnect these cords underneath here and roll this out of the way. Uh, the parents are welcome to come and sit on this front row so they can see. But I'd like for all of us 